Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Chess Study Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about the Russian chess school, some training tips, as well as how you should progress or exactly what you should focus on at each stage of your chess skill. All right, so let's jump in to the Russian chess school. My understanding of the Russian chess school is basically that it's a rigorous training program that they put their young players through. Now, there's really no clear definition of the Russian chess school, but the closest that I could find or that I came an understanding of is that basically the Russians treated chess more like a sport than an art or a science. And that allowed them basically to create a very big group of young players who knew all the basics. You know, they would follow from Steinitz's ideas about chess to Capablanca, and they would learn from all the past greats, combining it with a very practical understanding of playing very strong chess to win. And that's why they were so dominant for so long. So they would take a lot of young players, and out of that group, they would get so many great Russian players. But they needed that very large young population to basically be able to find who is great. And that support led to many great players. So my understanding is that they would follow a few things. For example, they would learn and heavily analyze a small number of openings so they could be totally mastered. Uh, Combining that with knowing the specific player's strengths, they would deeply analyze together a player's game and they would find their strength and weaknesses, and they would know exactly what to avoid and what to go for in specific positions. Now, this combined with studying very deeply uh, endgame theory, tactics, you know, it was very structured and rigid, um, and they were able to basically learn specific information combined with a vast knowledge of openings, and it was not necessarily one person, but it was the whole school that led to the overall strength of each player. And no other nation really had that. You know, you had Bobby Fischer in America that was able to break it. And that's why it's so rare and so amazing because he did it all by himself versus this huge mass of communal information, I guess you could say at the time. And that's why also it's kind of broken today because the Russian chess school you know, it's kind of a thing of the past because we have databases. That's why we have a Norwegian world champion and it's very diverse because everybody has access to analyzing with computers and computer engines. And I've kind of realized in the past year how things have changed in terms of, you know, the efficacy of chess books, the efficacy of uh, using older materials and ideas Whereas nowadays, you can really learn from a young age uh, how to analyze with computers and be objective, how to form your own thought processes, and the relatively small amount of information you need to know to understand chess strategy combined with the vast resource of perfect openings, if you want to memorize those, as well as endgame table bases, etc. So that's my thoughts on the Russian chess school. And I'll probably cover more about it in the future. There's a ton of information to cover. uh, But hopefully that gives you an overall understanding of what the Russian chess school is. Question two is from a question I got uh, sent to me as a message that says, maybe some explanation on the ability to see 
quote unquote the move would be educative. What essentially drives the move or plan? How do you determine the course of action? Uh, perhaps a series. I might do a series on that, um, but I'll just give some quick ideas on this. So when you start out, uh, let's say you start out and you're 800 rated, between 1800 or 800 and 1500. Now, I would say between that rating, your plan is very simple. Now, your opponents, if you're playing players that are at your level, don't really know how to defend, and neither do you. So I would recommend that your only plan would be to attack very aggressively. Now, this will, uh, this will accomplish two things. First, you'll learn tactics and attack, and you'll also learn how to find a correct plan where, for example, say you decide to attack the king side, uh, but you end up losing on the queen side. So you can evaluate that game, you can analyze it and figure out why your plan didn't work, as well as why you tactically went wrong if you did. Uh, most likely you would if you're under 1500. So these kind of things don't really need to be very complicated. There's really no plan necessarily when you're playing at that level. It's basically just trying to attack and whoever wins tactically in the end. It's not something complicated. It's just something that you need to practice to be able to be, able to be more comfortable at. Now, I went through a period where I had trouble trying to find a plan when there was nothing to do. And I think maybe that's what you're talking about. So when there's nothing to do, you want to follow the very simple idea of increasing your piece activity. And you want to find a piece that is not active, say on the edge of the board or undeveloped, and you simply try to develop it. That will get you very far in trying to find the right plan. Now, don't get distracted. Your main idea in chess is to basically increase your piece's activity and attack and win. That's it's, it's as simple as that and as complicated as that as you want it to be. All right, so I hope that helps. Now, I want to go on from this question and just talk about your basically focus in which rank you're at, or I guess rating. So if you're under 1500, I would recommend you follow what I just said. Now, once you start to get above 1500 is where it gets really interesting. Now, this is where your opponent is going to start pushing back. Now, I'd say below that level, it might seem like your opponent's pushing back, but they really don't see what you're doing at that level. So you can attack basically with impunity. And you see that when you see like a 2000 or a 2200 player playing somebody who's 1300. They, ba they basically just look like they're making normal moves and they just end up winning when their opponent puts up zero resistance. So as you get stronger, the resistance gets stronger. And what you have to do is basically you have to do the same thing that I was talking about, but on a higher level. Now, this is where your thought process comes in. And you're going to really need to do blunder checks because, you know, players at my level and I would say anybody below Grandmaster level uh, between 2000 to 2500, they're really not doing any grand strategy. You know, they're not sitting there coming up with some genius plan, enacting it and just winning from that plan. What they're really doing is just playing solidly until their opponent makes a mistake. Because ch you know chess is a game of errors. If your opponent doesn't make an error, then it'll, it should be a draw if you don't make an error too. So this is where the frustration and the chess struggle comes in because it seems like you know, you're lost in the variations, you're confused, you, your opponent seems to be outplaying you, and you just don't know why. 
So what you need to do is you need to focus on strictly following your thought process. And what that means is you always need to be looking for chances to increase your peace activity and you need to be calculating accurately to see if your implementation is stronger than your opponent's. So this is really taking the basics on a higher level. And that's why chess seems complicated to learn. And it is because it's hard to apply these concepts on a high level because as as your opponent starts pushing back, things become more complicated and confusing in the mess of variations. And that's why very, very strong players, they seem to see things instantly because their calculation and analytical abilities are so high that it really seems genius. And it is. But all they're really doing is what I'm talking about, except they're doing it on a higher level. And it's just, you know, stacking and stacking certain positions you've seen, experiences you've had over the board, and you become more and more comfortable in a, ver in a variety of positions. And eventually you're able to do it automatically. Now that's a hard point to get to, but I will say that there's really nothing that complicated about it. Applying it is complicated, but you know, learning it is complicated, but understanding it really is not. So that's what I would say you do is I, I've given basically all the information that you would ever need to apply this on a high level. You just need to basically learn how to apply it. Now, when somebody thinks that they can apply it, then they really can't. And uh, this will lead into the next question, which I'm going to read now. And it says, um, how do you get better at calculations? They, they said, you recommend only doing easy puzzles. I thought solving complicated puzzles was a good method for improving calculations, but do you think there are better ways improving this? Now, so this, this uh, questioner wants to know if what I'm saying is true. And, okay, well, that's, that's fine. You could solve complicated puzzles, but what are you really doing then? Are, are you basically trying to find a specific situation that you want to memorize? No. What you're doing with basic puzzles is you're training the fundamental elements of complicated puzzles. And if you, if you train a complicated puzzle, all you're really doing is you're just confusing yourself if you don't know the basic variations in the puzzle. Now, basically when you're analyzing a game, you're calculating and you're visualizing. Because all chess is is analysis. You shouldn't really separate that skill. So when you take a complicated puzzle, uh, you know, I would recommend you do that when you're stronger. But really, even at my level, and even grandmasters, you know, I've seen them doing one and two move puzzles because the basics are what matters. Uh, you know, it's like it's like trying to you know learn anything. You need to master the alphabet before you can you know become a spelling bee champion. And you know if if you want to take that analogy further when you're going you're when you're becoming a spelling bee champion all you're really doing is taking the fundamental elements of words and you're combining them. So what you need to do what what's the solution uh present is basically you need to master the basics. And the basics are present everywhere whereas complicated positions are not. Uh, the vast majority of chess positions are not that complicated. And when they become complicated, what you really need in that moment is not the ability to solve complicated tactics, but the ability, but the ability to instantly see the basics, such as knight forks, all the relationships between the pieces, 
do the squares of the night pop out at you so you would when you're analyzing you'll see the basics so think of it like this once you have basic pattern recognition of night forks of skewers of pins of double attack while you're looking in your mind in a complicated positions those things will automatically pop out of you and you will notice them if they don't automatically enter into your brain then you won't notice them and the complicated analysis that you're supposedly doing is just basically worthless. So the whole factor of doing complicated, uh, of solving complicated tactics puzzles is predicated on the fact that you know all the basics. And I would just say, ask yourself, do you know the basics? And if not, then that's where all of your time should be. And even me, I'm, I'm wasting time if I solve, you know, a five move puzzle. Okay, it's good practice. But am I going to see that in a game? No. If I solve a one or two move puzzle, will I see that? Yeah, I'll see that within the next 30 minutes if I play a blitz game all the time. And, you know, look at, look at, even look at uh, Magnus Carlsen's games on light chess. He plays, you know, bullet. Most of the times, most of the wins against grandmasters is simple tactics. Just because he can automatically see them, Grandmasters can too, but he's just faster. So if you can't see them fast, if you can't see them instantly, then you still have work to do. All right, so hopefully this wasn't just too rambling on uh, in terms of chess information. I had a lot of thoughts on my mind regarding these questions, and hopefully I covered some interesting ideas. If you have any further questions, please leave them in the comments for next week's podcast. And I'm really in the planning stages of doing another series, uh, maybe not too long, but at least like 14 days. If you have any uh, questions regarding chess training, uh, specifically under 1500, please leave those. And if you have any ideas for during a series about questions that you'd like answered, then let me know. I'll see you in the next podcast and video, and thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching Chess Diagnostic. I encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell so you receive all the notifications when I release a new video. If you want to support the channel, you can do so through PayPal, cryptocurrency, or you could check out the Chess Diagnostic apparel shop where I have all kinds of designs that I made myself uh, for t-shirts, hoodies, and I'll add new designs weekly. Thanks for watching and I'll see you in the future. Everywhere that you want to.